Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast on the 28th of March, 2022. Lousy smarch weather. It's actually very cold. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to it. Thank you for the use of your ears. Thanks for supporting the program by pushing play, downloading, spreading, telling a friend, rating and reviewing on iTunes, all that good stuff. Everything you guys do is wildly important to me and helping to spread the show. So thank you for that. Thanks to everybody who signed up for the... Uh, Weekend F and Review at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. The winner of the signed book this week will be announced at the end of the program. The winner will take away, take home the John Cleese autographed autobiography. That's right. John Cleese, Monty Python. That means that Matt Walsh returns next week, or this week, returns now, where... Uh, you can win the signed Matt Walsh book. What is the name of the Matt Walsh book? There it is. The Unholy Trinity. Right there. This week's entry. Instead of waiting until the end of the program, I'm going to uh, tell you what the other contender is. Matt Walsh versus Adam Carolla in his first New York Times best-selling book. An awesome book. It is funny as all get out. Entitled, In 50 Years Will All Be Chicks. It is a signed first edition. I got it signed personally. I actually have quite a few Adam Carolla signed books, different books. But this is, I think, aside from my personal copy, this is the only copy of In 50 Years Will All Be Chicks and Other Complaints from an Angry Middle-Aged White Guy that I'll be giving away. So go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Sign up there. And that's where you win. That's how you enter to win. Just comment on the post there. That crack you just heard. I don't know why I'm doing this now while I'm recording, but I have been obsessed with pistachios. I've come to a sad realization. Something weird about this nut more so than any other nut. Any other nut you eat by the handful when it's already shelled. This is the only one that, like, they, they sell them shelled, and they'll probably ultimately take over. And as a kid, you used to look like you got face raped by a clown when you ate pistachios because for some weird reason they were all painted red or dyed red or whatever it was. But uh, they got rid of that, so it's probably poison. And uh, now it's just plain pistachios. But I can, I can eat a bag of them, cracking them open individually. And damn it, I'll spend like 20 minutes trying to get that one stubborn piece of crap that won't open open but they sell them now shelled and i have no interest in them shelled i'm sure they'd be i would i crack open like you know 10 of them in a row so i can create my own handful and then shove that handful in my mouth sometimes depending on my mood or i just do it one at a time but there's something about buying these things already shelled and ready to go that just it i don't know feels like cheating it feels and I don't know if, frankly, I don't know if it's that good of a nut to do that. I'll be honest with you. But individually, the weird greenness, it's a damn fine nut. Anyway, go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Please sign up. Five bucks a month is all I ask. Support the program. You get all sorts of freebies and stuff. And uh, maybe I'll do a show about nuts there one day. All right. Let's get on with the show. we got a lot of things to get to. Um, I uh, I recorded I'm recording this Sunday evening. So Joe Biden has already said is we got for God's sakes we got to kill this sob we can't let this guy stay in power line. The rest of the show I recorded Saturday morning before that it happened because 
of things I had to do this weekend. So I'm going to be watching the Oscars tonight, and I just don't feel like re-recording the whole thing, so I'll get to that tomorrow. You can already tell where I'm going. The guy's a nut job. The guy's an embarrassment. The guy's a disgrace. Um, He's Joe Biden. I mean, what do you want me to say? See these moron leftists out there going, oh, it's a stirring speech. It was right up there with Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Except that... uh, that wasn't an open mic moment. That wasn't a uh, an oopsie. Reagan had fought for that to be in the speech, and the State Department career people said, no, 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 you can't do that, too provocative, too provocative. And Reagan said, uh, screw you guys, I'm president. So he did it anyway. The White House did not immediately come out and say, well, I didn't really mean that. Oopsie daisy, sorry about that. <laughs> it's just one of them things with, Biden's, he cannot remain in power. The White House, his White House theoretically, insisted that he, uh, he didn't really mean, he wasn't talking about Putin there. <laughs> he was talking about the guy who sold him his headphones that don't work. And, and like, like, for God's sakes, this guy cannot remain in power, meaning the manager of the Sam Goody. And uh, Joe Biden has a vendetta against this guy. So it's just an unbelievable thing. I'll go into it more tomorrow. Forgive me for that. But it is um, it's just the damn weekend and I don't get to enjoy them very often. And we are in the midst of a fierce Lego building party downstairs. So we'll get to that after I edit all this stuff together. And you guys will get to that tomorrow. All right. Uh, there you go. I kind of did it today, but I'll do it much better tomorrow. Anyway, let's start the show. Action-packed program, as we always have. There's so much going on. There is uh, a lot happening in the world. A lot of stupid things happen over these days. It's amazing how much time, how much stupidity. It's compact. You can apparently fold. You can only fold a piece of paper seven times. Uh, you can fold stupidity probably infinite number of times because then you can kind of cram it in anywhere you want to go it's amazing to me the world that we live in and what constitutes news and what gets people excited we have a supreme court nominee who can't define what the hell a woman is can't define won't define whatever it is not going to define refusing to define what a woman is because the democratic party won't allow there to be a definition And what's the top story today? The top story is about Ginny Thomas. The top story is about Ginny Thomas. That's it. That's the top story. Like, Ginny Thomas. Who's Ginny Thomas? If you're a normal person, you're wondering who Ginny Thomas is. If you've lived in Washington, D.C. at all, if you've worked in in conservative circles, you probably have at least met Ginny Thomas. Ginny Thomas is the wife of Clarence Thomas. She's also a lifelong conservative activist. She... uh, she worked with me at the Heritage Foundation. That's where I got to know her. On my parents' fortieth uh, wedding anniversary, she got a signed picture from the president for me. She was head of uh, executive branch relations at the Heritage Foundation when I was there. So it was great. Very nice lady. Very involved. Very concerned. Very caring about politics. Well, you wake up. They've they've been going after her forever the left has they want to get to him he's in the hospital he's sick with an infection and so they're trying to finish him off 
They're trying to hurt him. They're trying to hurt. They're just disgusting people, these leftists. So you woke up and it's trending on social media the other day. And you said, what's the, uh, what is this? What is this? Here's the headline from the Washington Post. They broke the story. It's a big, big story. They dragged Bob Woodward out of his crypt to write this one. That tells you how how big of a, a story this is. Bob Woodward and, and Robert Costa, who I believe... He, if you've ever seen Smokey and the Bandit, Robert Costa has become Bob Woodward's uh, short little fat guy. I don't know what that short little fat guy was, but there was uh, Big Earl and Little Earl. I think it was that was their names. The guys who put the Bandit up to going to Texas and getting Coors and bringing it back in a certain amount of time. They dressed the same, and just one was giant and large, and another one was like a little person that's what robert costa is to bob woodward now that's who they've become bob woodward recognizes his mortality they need somebody at the washington post to bring some kind of cachet to write some book that everybody denies they had anything to do with once a year and so he decided to co-write one with robert costa and that's where they are now they're inseparable batman and robin or um, dr evil and mini me Whatever pathetic little side is the little dog jumping over the big dog going, hey, boss, what are we doing today, boss? Where's going on, boss? That's what Robert Costa is. Their headline is big story, blockbuster story. Virginia Thomas urged White House chief of staff to pursue unrelenting efforts to overturn 2020 elections, text show. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The wife of a Supreme Court justice is involved in a coup d'etat. What? No. The story, of course, is wildly different. It's kind of funny because this was all that Morning Joe has been able to talk about. My God, can you believe Ginny Thomas? She's got to go. Clarence Thomas, there's a move on the left. Clarence Thomas must resign. He must resign. Or somebody must be impeached. He must be impeached. Yes, impeach a black man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, here's the story, though. That's the thing, is if you just read the headline, if you just listen to the airheaded morons on cable news talk about it, you go, oh, wow, what... Something serious here. Because they all dutifully avoid telling you really what's in the text. Even the story does. It's bizarre. <clears throat> Virginia Thomas, a conservative activist married to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, repeatedly pressed White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to pursue unrelenting efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in a series of urgent text exchanges in the critical weeks after the vote, according to copies of the messages obtained by the Washington Post and CBS News. Now, isn't it interesting? How's, it, how's a text message urgent? It used to be when I used Outlook for my email, you could set something like high priority. How's a text message urgent? That is the reporters, so-called reporters making a judgment call. That is not a reflection of the text themselves. The messages, 29 in all. My God, 29 text messages. You think, what was that all like one day? Come on, seize power. See, no, it was over the course of a couple months, which, and it's not exchanges. It's 29 messages. Now, think about your friends, because I know that Ginny Thomas is friends with Mark Meadows. 
Think about the uh, number of text messages you will have sent. Not even your best friend. Doesn't have to be your best friend. You probably sent them a lot of text messages. Think of the number of text messages you've sent a decent friend, a good friend, somebody you know. Think about the number of messages you've sent them over the course of just two months, the last two months. Just open up your phone, you go through your text messages, and you will see each response is a message, all right? Keeping in mind, each time you send a response, LOL, send, whoop, there's a, there's a message. And then count them up and see if 29 seems like a lot. It's not. It's a slow day for some people. The messages, 29 and all, reveal an extraordinary pipeline between Virginia Thomas, who goes by Ginny, and President Donald Trump's top aide during a period when Trump and his allies were vowing to go to the Supreme Court in an effort to negate the election results. It's not really what they were urging. It's not really what they were promising. I will go to the Supreme Court and have the election overturned. I will go to the Supreme Court and negate election results. No, they were questioning the validity of the election results, which you're allowed to do. Stacey Abrams, the uh, job of the hut of the left, has been doing it since 2018. She's a hero for it, as a matter of fact. She's vo- she is a champion for voter integrity. It's weird. When she does it, when they do it, they are champions for voter integrity. But when somebody else does it, somebody in that other party, why, that's an attempted coup. On November 10th, after news organizations had projected projected Joe Biden the winner based on state vote totals, Thomas wrote to Meadows, quote, help this great president stand, help this great president stand firm, Mark. You are the leader with him who is standing for America's constitutional governance at this, at the precipice. The majority knows Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist in our history. Okay. That's the one that they cite. That's the only tweet that they really, or text that they really quote. Is that so damaging? Is that so beyond the pale sure doesn't seem like it it's not and here's how you've got to uh find a way to blah 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 and let's just seize power and uh, no there's none of that these messages are fairly innocuous they're conversations that you probably had with your friends or family or they're like that She's not saying, look, here, if you can get this to the Supreme Court, my husband will make sure that we... No, there's none of that. None of that at all. When Mark Meadows wrote to Thomas on November 24th, the White House Chief of Staff invoked God to describe the efforts to overturn the election. Quote, this is a fight of good versus evil, Meadows wrote. Evil always looks like the victor until the King of Kings triumphs. Do not grow weary in uh, well-doing. The fight continues. I have staked my career on it. Well, at least my time in D.C. on it. Okay. So what? Ginny responded, thank you. Needed that. This plus a conversation with my best friend just now, I will try to keep holding on. America is worth it. That counts as three messages, by the way. That's right. There's three messages. Three of the 29 messages right there. Oh, my goodness. The horror being portrayed there. 
Now, the, t- the post, next line, it's unclear to whom Thomas was referring. Yeah. She's upset. Mark Meadows offers her words of comfort and calm. And she says, thanks, I needed that. This plus a conversation with my best friend just now, meaning a conversation with her best friend just now, as making her feel better. But the Washington Post, because it's unclear to whom Thomas was, well, uh, probably her best friend. I would, I would suspect it would be her best friend. When she writes a best friend, when you're sending text messages, you don't expect Democrat jackholes in Congress to subpoena them. And then you don't expect them on top of that because it's such a very serious matter. They needed those messages. It's so wildly important that they needed those messages. You don't then expect them to leak them to the press. So when you say a conversation with my best friend, you probably mean a conversation with your best friend. You're not speaking in code, right? But this is just a big mystery to the Washington Post. What could it? It could mean any number of things. Who knows? Maybe this is a code for some sort of secret Russian that we're doing there. <laughs> now, there's a whole huge story about Clarence Thomas being married to Ginny Thomas, and Ginny Thomas did this, that, and the other thing. What's missing from the rest of the story is any serious quotations from the text messages. That's what's weird about it. That was that was the most. I mean, they quote other ones, but there's not any. The smoking, the closest thing to a smoking gun, you always lead with your strongest. Was that text exchange that I I said I just read to you? That's it. Like that's what that's a controversy. This is where we are. We have a Supreme Court nominee who can't define what a woman is. Has no idea when life begins. Wasn't even in town that month on any of these issues. Sentenced child molesters to slaps on the wrist, which may well be their kink. And there we go. Oh, my God. 29 messages between Mark Meadows and Ginny Thomas. That's huge, huge, huge. (laughs) In these messages, Thomas and Meadows each assert a belief. This is well down, like almost halfway through the piece. Each assert a belief that the election was stolen and seem to share a solidarity of purpose and faith, though they occasionally express differences on tactics. If you have all of the text messages, why don't you just publish all 29 of them? Because they can't. If you publish just a couple and then talk around the concept of a Supreme Court justice's wife sending messages. Then you can apply all sorts of nefarious meanings and all kinds of things to those messages without ever having saying, you didn't say anything. What do you, people are drawing their own conclusions. We didn't say that. That's how it works. It's the MacGuffin. Think about Pulp Fiction. You open that briefcase. What's in that briefcase? Whatever it is, it's glowing. It's glowing gold. What the hell is it? They never say, but everybody who's seen that movie has their own idea of what is in that briefcase. That briefcase, the MacGuffin, as Alfred Hitchcock put it, is Ginny Thomas and Mark Meadows' text messages. They don't want them all out there. 
in the messages, Thomas and Meadows uh, each stolen, blah, 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 expressed different attacks. Quote, the intense pressure on you and our president are now, uh, the intense pressure you and our president are now experiencing are more intense than anything experienced, but I only uh, felt a fraction of it in 1991. Yeah. Talking to a friend about the pressure, the entire left-wing media establishment coming down and them going, admit you lost. Just admit it. You lost. You lost. You lost. Say it. Say it. Say it. Don't question anything. Just go away. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. You're a monster. You're Hitler. You're this. You're trying to... That kind of pressure. Ginny Thomas makes reference to when her husband was falsely accused by Joe Biden, Democrats, about Anita Hill. Does that sound like some sort of integral part of a coup attempt? Telling a friend, I feel you. I know that you're going through a lot of pressure. I've been there. That is yet another one of those 29 text messages exchanged. That's the third one they quote, or the fourth one they quote. So that kind of tells you that... uh, These messages don't mean all that much. It's pathetic. They go. They've got more. Let's see here. During a period of supporters, uh, during that, they they bring in QAnon because why? Because everything's about QAnon. They bring in um, Sandy Hook. I think they bring in. I don't know if they bring in Alex Jones. In the November 5th message to Meadows, Thomas went on to quote a passage that had circulated in right-wing websites, quote, Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators, elected officials, bureaucrats, social media censorship mongers, fake streaming media reporters, etc., are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now in over uh, coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. Okay, so what? The news story, the fake news story, but it was a news story. Who cares? But that counts. The next day, Thomas sent a follow-up to Meadows. Now, this is November 6th. This is after the election. This is before the media had declared Biden the winner. Quote, do not concede. It takes time for the army who is gathering for his back. Okay, that counts as a message. Don't concede. We're ready to fight. We're getting people together. That's what that means. Yet the Post would like you to think that this is all part of a massive coordinated attempt to overthrow our government. They're so stupid. They've got nothing, but they've got a lot of words to tell you nothing. As we're sitting here debating what Ginny Thomas said, what did Ginny Thomas say in a text messages? And like, oh, that's that's important. That's important. We have a Supreme Court nominee who doesn't know what a woman is. No idea. I mean, it could mean any number of things. Who can possibly say? This is the world that we're constructing. This is the one I'm supposed to leave to my kids. Mm. No thanks. No thanks. No thanks. These uh, lunatic leftists are re... It's not even redefining words anymore. They're redefining reality right before our eyes. Doing so with a straight face and academic credentials and insisting that they're not doing it. There's a woman, well, who the hell, what is she? She's a reporter. She's a reporter for USA Today. (laughs) 
Her name is Aaliyah. I assume that's how you pronounce A-L-I-A. Aaliyah E. Dastagir. D-A-S-T-A-G-I-R. She is a reporter at USA Today from 2019 to 2020. Now she's a uh, mental health fellow at the Carter Center. Jimmy Carter. Because she's crazy. She probably needs this. She wrote a piece for USA Today, her former regular employer, that is... um, It's evil, quite honestly. The headline, Marsha Blackburn asks Ketanji Brown Jackson to define woman. Science says there's no simple answer. Can you imagine? This is what I I responded to uh, Aaliyah E. Dastagir. Her tweet said, imagine being tapped by the left-wing establishment to defend someone who was chosen specifically because she's a woman from pretending not to know what a woman is. I'd rather eat hemlock. This story, this opinion piece, it's not listed as opinion on the website, so who knows. The 13th hour of Judge Ketanji Jackson Brown's confirmation hearing Tuesday, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, asked the Supreme Court nominee, quote, can you provide a definition for the word woman? End quote. Jackson appearing confused, responded, I'm not a biologist. (laughs) You know how they can tell... Now, they're trying to make light of it and they're mocking it, and all of these pieces are being written to sort of mock conservatives, rational people, for going, what is a woman? And you can't define... They want to distract from the fact that Ketanji Brown Jackson refused to answer because they know it's damaging. With normal Americans out there, they see that and they go, what the hell do you mean you can't tell me what a woman... What do you mean? What, what's, you're a woman, for God's sakes. You're a woman, for God's sakes. You're an adult, you're a woman. Otherwise, you're a girl. You're a human because we don't have women, I don't know, antelopes. You're female. There you go. There's your definition. She could have just said, well, I'm a woman. Nope, I couldn't. I'm not a biologist. <laughs> all right, well, then then you shouldn't sit on the Supreme Court because there are going to be all sorts of cases that come before the highest court in the land that have uh, tangential involvement with the law but also involve serious cases of science, uh, religiosity, whatever. If you want to you know, it's like if she'd asked was asked, when does life begin? And she said, I'm not the Pope. I don't know. I don't know. All right, well, that's that would be stupid. It would sound stupid. Uh, and you wouldn't accept it. But we're supposed to accept this? You can tell the left is bothered by this, and you can tell the left knows this is damaging by the sheer volume of the number of cases that uh, they're writing up, the stories, the arguments, the pieces, the discussions. They're saying, this is ridiculous. Blackburn's stupid question. Stupid question. It's not that uh, Brown Jackson won't answer. It's about how stupid the question is and how bigoted the question is. Normal people are sitting there going, what the hell are you talking about? What is a woman? What is a woman? If you don't know, then you have no business being on the Supreme Court. You're going to decide cases related to Title IX. You're going to decide cases related to 
whether or not a uh, man can declare himself to be a woman. There's going to be, mark my words, there's going to be domestic violence of a man against a woman where the man will say they are a woman. And therefore, Joe Biden's vaunted in one of his few accomplishments in life, the Violence Against Women Act will then come into question. How can you commit violence against a woman? It's meant to stop domestic violence, which is abhorrent. But if the man perpetrating the domestic violence identifies as a woman, is it, can they be charged under that? Would a prosecutor dare go after somebody who identifies as a woman, forgetting how they present themselves. We're told that doesn't matter. It's how you feel on the inside. These are their rules. So if a man beat up a woman, if a boyfriend beat up a girlfriend, but then said, I am, uh, I'm really a woman too on the inside. Is that, I mean, it'll still be domestic violence, but is it uh, open to, subjected to the stiffer penalties of the Violence Against Women Act? Would a prosecutor who would love nothing more than to be able to run for re-election on the idea that they have prosecuted men, violent men who've attacked women, they love to run on that, except that this person who beat the hell out of a woman because he's physically a male and much bigger and stronger is a woman and refused to prosecute uh, additionally. I don't think they would because, you know, it would be very interesting to see what happens. I hope it never happens just because I don't want women beaten up. But if that happened and the prosecutor said, well, which do I do I bow to the women lobby? Do I bow to the trans lobby? Where do I where do I fall? It's also political calculations. If they bow to the trans lobby, which is active and vocal, but tiny, then their opponents in the next primary would go, look, he didn't prosecute this guy for beating the hell out of this woman because he said she's a woman. Which wins? The Democratic Party's current obsession with division and an attempt to paint the whole country as bigoted and redefine reality. Uh, there's no other, there's no electoral advantage other than control. If you can convince people of something that is this absurd, this, this insane, you can convince people of a lot of things. You can get them to do really horrible things too. Um, which is it? Which wins? their agenda or their uh, the ability to implement that agenda in being elected. I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to watch it. But I'd still rather eat a handful of hemlock than write a piece about how science is unclear about what it is. As we're talking about this absurdity, I think that it's, uh, it's important. The Babylon Bee is a piece that I will uh, intersperse throughout the show. It's a rather brilliant one. It's just very short. Go ahead. Let's let's hear some music here that seems appropriate. We'll play it under as I talk. Because this song now needs to be banned, doesn't it? 
Helen Reddy. Dutch boy haircut. I am woman, hear me roar. No. In numbers too big to ignore. And I know too much yep. to go back and pretend. Cause I've heard it all before. And I've been down there on the floor. No one's ever gonna keep me down again. Well, yes. I think my favorite part is, if I have to, I can do anything, which means I know I don't have to. I can I can play this. I am strong and do whatever I want, whenever I want. And then when it's inconvenient, like when it comes time to register for selective service. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. All right. How about you just start with opening a jar of pickles? Can we do that? Can we do that? No. Anyway, the Babylon Bee has a piece that's very uh, prescient. The Babylon Bee is more of a look into the future, sadly, than it is a comedy satire website. But it's still, as a satire website, it's still pretty funny. They have a piece. Are you a woman? Twelve signs to look for. Because you never know. And if you ever find yourself wondering, you can go through this checklist. And it will probably help you figure it out. Uh, First, are you always cold? Good sign. I think women are born a pint low on blood. Uh, has a human ever popped out of you? It's a, it's a pretty good indicator that you're not a dude. If a, if a human being has popped out of you. So if you're not a dude, you're a chick. Have you uh, <clears throat> ever decorated a bed with six or more pillows? If you have, you're probably... That's not necessarily the case. Um, but you're, it's... There's other issues at play there if, you have, if you're not a woman. But the odds are pretty high that you're a woman if you have more than six pillows on a bed. Can you tell the difference between cream white and rustic farmhouse white? See, I can't. I'm at a loss. But a woman probably could. Uh, have you been, have you run into a curb in the past 24 hours? Be honest. Have you? Remember my wife had a, had a courtesy car. While our car was in the shop and I had to pay like 90 bucks because she scratched the hell out of the the wheel parking at work. Well, yeah, am I close enough to the curb? I'd say so. Those divots in the rim suggest that you are. We'll get to more of this later on in the program. I just think it's worth visiting. Since there are confusing times, since these are confusing times, where we don't even know what a woman is, this Babylon Bee article is... Brilliant, and we'll get back to it. Uh, just in case you're hanging on there, sitting going, I don't know, I don't know if I'm, a, I'm still not, uh, I still don't know if I'm a woman or not. We'll get back to those in a second, and this USA Today garbage, as well. But if you uh, were alive in the '80s, even as a child, this commercial ran on a loop. It's for uh, I don't know the what is it? Uh, let me see, Anjali. Anjali, A-N-J-O-L-I, Anjali, it's a perfume, I thought it was a hair thing, but it's a perfume, 
and it'll make you smell like a woman, even though you can work like a man. Or you couldn't. This this commercial probably should have a trigger warning. <laughs> it's apparently according to YouTube from 1982. 1982. This is what they you watch an episode of uh, Three's Company. You tell me that they could make that today. What's ironic is Three's Company is run on the like the gay channel logos. Um, and like every joke in there is massive, what would today be called homophobia, but it's running on the gay channel for whatever reason. Uh, this, that could not be made today. That it could really barely be. I don't think it could be shown anywhere except the gay channel three's company, but this is uh, now considered a hate crime and a uh, trans crime or whatever. Listen to this. Cause I'm a woman. I can bring home a bacon. And never let you forget you're a man. Give her Ajoli, the eight-hour perfume for that 24-hour woman. I can work till five o'clock. Come home and read your tickety-tock. Tonight I'm gonna cook for the kids. And if it's loving you one, I can kiss you and give you the shiver and fit. the eight-hour perfume for your 24-hour woman. Yeah, your 24-hour woman. Now we don't you can be a woman for 24 minutes and then go, no, I'm not a woman anymore. I, uh, I'm a woman, hear me roar, and now get me out of this room. <laughs> I'm a woman, hear me roar, get me out of this male prison and put me in a women's prison, you, you uh, transphobe. How things have changed just in, what is that? That's 40 years. 40 years, and now we're sitting there going, no, you're a woman. What, is, what does that mean? What are you trying to say, honey? You're a woman. I don't, I don't understand. I just... <laughs> <laughs> There's a specific, here's a gender test for you. Open this jar of pickles. All right? You open that jar of pickles, and uh, I will start to believe that maybe you're uh, you're not a, a, a woman. The, by the way, the, the military announced this week, I'll find this story in a second. Military announced this week that they're lowering standards, physical standards for women. Again. And you're like, what? How? How? How do you know? So does this mean that like overweight dudes can go, uh, you know, I can't do, uh, I can't climb the rope, but I'm a woman. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, then definitely, then never mind. You can still be a part of this rescue team, even though you won't really be able to rescue anybody. Back to this USA Today story. I love this stuff. Scientists, they write. This is the USA Today writes. Scientists, gender law scholars. Gender laws. Yeah, uh, people with agendas. Just say that. Philosophers of biology. Philosopher. What the hell is a philosopher of biology? Can we do philosopher, philosophers of biology. Said Jackson's response. Of, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. I don't know what a woman is was commendable, though perhaps misleading. Oh, just perhaps misleading. It's useful, they say, that Jackson suggested science could help answer Blackburn's question, but they note that a competent biologist would not be able to offer a definitive answer either. A competent biologist. You see how these little uh, fascists make their little word plays. A competent biologist. Oh, yeah. Other biologists, incompetent biologists, would be able to say... <laughs> with definitive proof. Hey, there's, that's a man, that's a woman. Here's what the definition is. An adult male, uh, female, uh, adult female, human. No, 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 you're an incompetent biologist. Uh, 
Uh, but a competent biologist would not be able to offer a definitive answer either. Scientists agree there is no sufficient way to clearly define what makes someone a woman. And with billions of women on the planet, there is much variation. No. <laughs> but wait, if you don't know what a woman is, how can you say that there are billions of them on the planet? And if there are billions of them on the planet with much variation, I bet you, I'm going to bet you dollars to donuts that there are common characteristics amongst all of them who are actually women. That, you know, yeah, there's women of all different colors. There are all different hairstyles. There are all different heights, all different weights, all different, all of, all of the different ways that you can configure a human being, except for some very basic ones, like the genitalia, like the chromosomes, okay? Those are pretty set in stone, shall we say. That would be, that'd be pretty, because, yeah, there's a whole different types of varieties of human beings and uh, women among them. There are ugly women. There are conservative women. There are stupid women. There are conservative women. There's all, the whole spectrum out there is available, but they all have common characteristics. All of them have common characteristics. Uh, back to this Babylon Bee thing, just to clear, just to intersperse this, so you have some sense of what's going on. <clears throat> the last one we had was: Have you run into a curb in the last twenty-four hours? Be honest, you have. You know you have. Next is: uh, Do you bleed, like for an extended period of time at regular intervals? You're a woman, or have you bled? I would say I would put it past tense, current and past tense. Do you or have you? throughout your lifetime that's a pretty good indication of whether or not somebody is a woman just saying does it take you three hours to decide what you want to eat another good indication i would add movies to the to the list as well are you currently a member of at least three pyramid schemes well that just seems um <clears throat> kind of accurate only partially accurate you don't have to check all of these boxes ladies and gentlemen just some of them just some of them. Do you find uh, simple movie plots hard to follow? <laughs> or do you sit there and you go, uh, all right, uh, are you in and out of the room 50 times while trying to watch a movie? How about you just watch, how about you just watch the movie? Okay. How about you just watch the movie? Uh, do you frequently describe your emotional state as fine when you are not in fact fine? <laughs> that's, a, that's a dead giveaway right there. Uh, is your Starbucks order anything other than black coffee? Yeah, that is too. I don't know, double chai, mocha, choco, latte, flatte, whatever. I uh, I don't drink coffee, so I can't really comment on this one. But I know that I have ordered coffee for women over the years, and you sit there and you go, "You got to write this down." I don't know what the hell this is. You want coffee? Like, there's coffee. There's like there's coffee, and then there's decaf, which is like dirty mud water, right? I don't know what the difference is. And then uh, the final thing is, uh, do you have two X chromosomes? That should be a pretty. That should be the one that biologists go. Yeah, you know what? I've got a, I've got a little cheat sheet. We can cut through the other eleven, and I can go right to the uh, answer key on the Scantron machine and tell you whether or not you're a woman. Now the uh, Babylon B has uh, put together a score chart to find out whether or not you are a woman. If you had zero through two, 
of these or you answered in the affirmative, there's very little chance that you're a chick. It says, uh, there's a small chance you're a dude, bro. If you got three to five where you answered in the affirmative, we're getting some real feminine vibes here. So you're getting closer to being determined whether or not you are determining whether or not you are a woman. If you got six to eight, starting to look kind of like that you're probably a woman. You had six to eight affirmative answers. If you had nine through 11, you're definitely a woman. And if you had yes to all 12, you are definitely the final boss of all women. Congratulations. So, yes, whoever wrote this piece at the Babylon Bee, it's not attributed to any particular author because it's a satire site, but whoever wrote it is more qualified than Katanji Brown-Jackson to be a Supreme Court justice. Whoever wrote it is more qualified than all of the so-called experts in uh, this USA Today piece. The USA Today piece Quotes goes continues, quote, I don't want to see this question punted to biology as if science can offer a simple definitive answer, said Rebecca Jordan Young, a scientist and gender. How how is it not surprising to me that her name is hyphenated? Rebecca Jordan Young, a scientist and gender studies scholar at Barnard College, whose work explores the relationship between science and the social hierarchies of gender and sexuality. Gee, guess guess what a, a truffle pig finds all the time. Truffles. Guess what? Somebody who is a scientist and gender studies scholar at Barnard College, whose work explores the relationship between science and the social hierarchies of gender and sexuality, finds all the time. Huh? A way to justify their job. God, these people are beyond parody. They're beyond parody. They really are beyond parody. She continues, quote, the rest of her answer was uh, more interesting and important. She said, as a judge, what I do is address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments and I look at the law and decide. In other words, she said, context matters, which is true in both biology and society. I think that's a pretty good answer for a judge. Oh, shockingly, a uh, hyphenated leftist college professor agrees with a hyphenated leftist college professor. Hope you were sitting down for that one. Blackburn tweeted after the exchange that this is a simple question and called Jackson's response a major red flag. But Jordan Young says she sees Jackson Jackson's answer, particularly the second half, reflecting the necessity of nuance. While traditional notions of sex and gender are uh, a simple binary, if you are born with a penis, you are a male and identify as a man. If you are born with a vagina, you are female and identify as a woman. The reality gender experts say is more complex. No, it's not. Those two things are unequivocally true. If you look at those things on yourself and decide something else is afoot, then you are just wrong. I have posed this question before, made this point before, and will make it again because it is completely and totally and 100% relevant and on point. How do you know what a woman feels like? If you're a man, how do you know? So how do you know you feel like a woman? 
How do you know what anybody else feels like? There's a simple exercise. Describe the taste of something to somebody who's never had it. Describe the taste of chocolate or the taste of coffee. Coffee is, uh, I don't know how you, somebody who likes that swill, describing the taste of coffee is like, to me, it'd be like, it's, it's gross. Um, it, it's bitter. It's, I don't know, it's dirty. It's hot. Uh, how would you describe the taste of something? Now describe the feeling of somebody else, of something else. You can't not, if you're a woman or you're a man, you cannot describe what it feels like to be another woman or another man. You can guess, you can have a good estimate of it, but you'll never know because you'll never, ever, ever under any circumstances be anybody but you. You will never be in anybody else's mind but your own. You will never have a clue for your entire life, no matter how much you pursue it, no matter how desperately you want it, no matter how much you insist you do, you will never know what it's like to feel like another human being because all you are is you. Sometimes that sucks. Sometimes you sit there and go, oh, I wish I'd be anybody else but me. And you can take that delusion to a whole bunch of weird places. But you'll never, no matter how many people you get to change what they call you, to treat you differently, you will never be anything but you. All your miseries, that you think caused are caused by one's God made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. You, you have other things you have to deal with. If you're not willing to deal with it, and mostly you have to, here's how you deal with most of the things that are these intangible things. You just go, well, that's just how it is. You can change your car. I don't like my car. You can change your car. You can't change who you are. You can't change what you are. Better to just come to terms with it. If you can't afford a new car, what do you do? You go, oh, well, I got to figure out how to live with this car. I've had cars that I was like kind of embarrassed to drive. When I was a kid, it was my mom, my dad's nickname at the uh, Fisher Body Plant that he worked at was easy. Whenever they do the pools, the squares or anything for football, he'd just write easy in there. It was for easy money. Easy. He also had another one, BFA, which was big bleeping ape because he was a big dude. Uh, but uh, he used easy for easy money, which was ironic mostly because he usually lost. Most people lose in those things. But my mom, love, in love with my dad since she was, they were teenagers. My dad had a front license. In Michigan, you don't have to have a front license plate because what do you need a front license plate for? I mean, they're stupid, right? They're worthless. So you could put anything you wanted on your front license plate. My dad had a black truck and he had a black, license plate it wasn't customized because the back was a michigan plate but on the front it just said easy and uh, my mom's car the buick something or other some sort of old beat up big giant buick on the front of my mom's car it was red burgundy she had a burgundy custom license plate that said mrs easy and that was the car i was allowed to drive when i first got my driver's license you want to talk about uh, embarrassment driving around going to pick up a chick for a date and you have to meet the parents and they look out in the driveway and there's a car with Mrs. Easy written on the front license plate. And you go, yeah, I'm here to pick up your daughter. Don't worry, I'll have her home by, by 10. Yeah. You can declare yourself lots of things. You, can de- you are what you are, period, end of story. The sooner you become comfortable with whatever it is, whatever it is you are, the better off you will be in life. I promise you. 
of that. But if you, some people just want to be miserable because there's victimhood in misery and there's prestige in that victimhood on the left. And so we have to play this stupid game until somebody stands up and says, no more. Let's start that process now. We've uh, we talked enough about uh, <laughs> the, the mysteries of life, the mysteries of biology. Now let's get into the mysteries of what goes on inside Joe Biden's head. Because, my God, there is really no way to uh, to deal with that. While he was over and he was over in Europe and trying to seem like a world leader, never seen any follower insist they were leading a parade more so than than sniffy, gropey. Uncle Joe. Uh, we'll go. Let's uh, talk about food shortages. Now they say that uh, this is going to lead the war in Ukraine could lead to food shortages. Now this is kind of like the uh, the left arguing. Well, it's because of the pandemic that uh, we've had supply chain issues. Don't you know? That's why it's not May- Secretary Mayor Pete's incompetence. It's the Trump administration's incompetence. Yet, weirdly, the pandemic was raging under the Trump administration, and there really weren't supply chain issues, not not to this extent. And there wasn't the inflation that we had. But that's beside the point. You're, you're in- injecting reality into a discussion with the left, which goes over like a fart in a car. It's just not welcome there in any way, shape, or form. So uh, if you see a problem coming, because, you know, you sit there and you say, all right, well, let's just pretend, let's play your game. Supply chain issues are the fault of the Trump administration. Why didn't you talk about it? Why didn't you talk? Why didn't you bring it up, Joe? Well, I don't know. Well, why didn't Secretary Mayor Pete have a plan to deal with it? Why from day one hit the ground running, all that stuff? And then their whole house of cards falls apart. Like, uh, I don't know what's going. What's a woman? I, I, I'm confused, huh? And then you'll be accused of like a hate crime for criticizing Secretary Mayor Pete or elder abuse for criticizing Joe Biden. And the reality is that Ukraine and Russia provide a lot of things that are necessary for the world to eat. Russia is the world's, I believe, the world's largest supplier of fertilizer, not just because of the obvious joke there, but because they manufacture the most fertilizer. Whereas Ukraine is a massive producer of wheat. Look back at the old famines of the Soviet Union. It was because they couldn't produce enough wheat, but they produced a lot of wheat. Um, And Stalin just said, no, 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 well, you send all the wheat to us in Moscow so I can tell the power structure my plans are going well. Meanwhile, you guys are dying. That's beside the point. But they uh, apparently they produce a lot of wheat and grain and crop and corn or whatever for food for, for animals, mostly livestock for f- consumption. And with this war going on, both of those things are going to be in short supply. Fertilizer because, well, we're embargoing and, and sanctioning a lot of things coming out of Russia, as we should, and the other uh, for obvious reasons. Well, we see this coming. We've seen this coming. And how in the hell could we not have, you know, we've known that Russia has had designs on Ukraine for, I don't know, 10 years at least. They took Crimea eight years ago, so it shouldn't be a surprise. Nobody really thought that Putin would go, and that's enough. That's enough. 
No, they are the guy with the eating disorder at the buffet. The, the, he's Joey Chestnut at a buffet. Going, I can fit more in there. I can fit more. I'm going to get my money's worth. I can fit more in there. So you should have had a plan for just this contingency, just this possibility in place in the first place. Joe Biden was vice president when it became abundantly clear that Putin had designs on Ukraine, and he's president now. In neither circumstance had any Democrat had anything apparently in place to deal with these eventualities. I don't know if they did in the Trump administration or not, but the Trump administration was not so uh, interested in kowtowing to dictators so as to embolden Putin to invade Ukraine. That's the difference. So if we see these things coming down the road, what are we doing about them? You can't tell me that there's something unique about Russia that they and only they can create fertilizer. They're not that special. They're just not. And you can't tell me that Ukraine is the only place that can grow crops for food for animals. We have a lot of land in this country. The rest of the world has a lot of land that, even just in the short term, if necessary, could be used to plant things to feed our animals so that we may consume them. But there doesn't seem to be any interest in that. Instead, you get stuff like this from Joe Biden talking about food shortages, saying, yeah, they're going to be real. No attempt to head it off at the pass. Nothing more to report. With regard to food shortages, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. Yeah, the food shortages are coming. It's going to be real. It's going to be real. Well, shouldn't you maybe tell Americans that now might be a good time to think about planting a garden? You know, if you plant a, a big enough garden, you plan enough for it. You might be able to supplement a lot of things and help out in general. If you're buying less fruits and vegetables, say, from the grocery store, then there's more fruits and vegetables for other people who live in urban areas who can't uh, grow fruits and vegetables for themselves. Just for example. Just for, instead, no. No, food shortages are going to be real. Oh, all right. Well, fill up your deep freeze with meat, ladies and gentlemen, if you like meat. Fill up your uh, pantry with bags of flour and all the ingredients to make your own bread or whatever. It just this is the most reactive instead of proactive presidency ever. For some guy who claims to be so brilliant, he sure is really just dumb. He's like making Forrest Gump look like a viable alternative. He's that dumb. And what I mean by that, he was asked, talking about Ukraine and, the G, and Russia and the G20 summit. Now, being a part of the G20 is helpful it, on the world stage for the prestige at home. It, uh, being a member of the G20, sitting around with all the other world leaders, well, Russia is probably not going to be invited to the next G20 meeting. The G20, all it does is means that a whole bunch of leftists are going to burn Seattle now uh, in the grand scheme of things. But there are some serious things that come out of it. It's the world's economic leading countries. Russia, there was, remember, it was the G7 plus, plus one when they invited Russia. They just kind of wanted to placate Putin. They're not placating Putin anymore. Now they're going to placate Zelensky. And this is uh, one of the dumbest things ever. Joe Biden was talking about Ukraine and 
how and Russia and how Russia is not going to be part of the G20. He doesn't want Russia to be part of the G20 anymore. He wants them booted out. And then he goes on to say, that's fine. Boot Russia out. They didn't really belong there anyway. They uh, we can't trust their economic data to begin with. And to the extent that their economy exists, it exists mostly for the glorification of Vladimir Putin. It sh- you shouldn't have countries like this. You should be free economies that should be a part of, of this group. He wants to put in Ukraine instead. Now, Ukraine is a tiny, tiny economy. And that country is rife, riddled with corruption. Just riddled with Everybody with Zelensky, he's so wonderful. He's, he's done very little to root out any of the corruption. Certainly, the corruption of the opposition to him, he's rooted out. But corruption in his own, on his own side, none. There's corruption everywhere. You think the United States is corrupt, you see nothing like you see in Ukraine. So replacing a a big economy, not a giant economy, with a tiny economy like Ukraine that is wildly corrupt, that would benefit the rich, that's all it would do. I mean, actually, maybe Joe wants to do this to benefit Hunter so he can help himself. Who the hell knows? It's a stupid suggestion, which is why it comes out of the mouth of President Biden. Mr. President, in your view, does President Zelensky need to cede any Ukrainian territory in order to gain a ceasefire with Russia, or is that completely off the table? And then also, do you think uh, that Russia needs to be removed from the G20? On the latter point, my answer is yes. That depends on the G20. Um, I, that, that was raised today. And uh, I raised the possibility, if that can't be done, if Indonesia and others do not agree, then we should, in my view, ask to have both uh, um, Ukraine uh, be able to attend the meetings as well as uh, um, basically Ukraine being able to attend the G20 meeting and observe. What the hell does that mean? You want Ukraine to join the G20 or you want them to just come and stand outside the window and look, you know, face pressed to the glass like a kid looking at a Christmas display? But either way, Ukraine has no business being there. Either the G20 is about what the G20 is supposed to be about, which is the world's largest economies finding a ways to not have the ship of state that they're steering drunkenly run aground and leak oil all over the beach. Or it is a political ploy where you can say, we don't want Russia there, but we want Ukraine there. There's literally no justification for having Ukraine there. None whatsoever. They are a tiny economy. Don't you remember Joe Biden's uh, famous thing? And this is what uh, exposed him to the corruption. The the prosecutor who was investigating Hunter Biden and the, well, the Burisma. He was interviewing or inter, uh, investigating Burisma. And Joe said, "You got to get fired, or you're not getting a billion dollars. A billion dollars, and it's." It's a testament to just how screwed up we are as a society that I can talk about a billion dollars as only a billion dollars. But it was a billion dollars to our government is nothing. A billion. The government has spent a billion dollars several times over while you've just been listening to my voice. Poof, it's gone. Billion dollars. But that billion dollars kept the Ukrainian government afloat. It helped. Foreign aid helps keep the Ukrainian government afloat. 
mostly because of the graft and the corruption over there. The corporations are corrupt. The politicians are corrupt. They're looting. There's sweetheart deals. There's price fixing. There's everything you can possibly imagine happening over there. And some people are getting incredibly rich. Some people are being paid more than a million dollars a year to just sit on a board and do absolutely nothing. And other people are incredibly poor over in Ukraine. The vast majority of people are somewhere in between and just trying to go about their business and lives like the rest of the world. To say Ukraine should be there, Ukraine should be a part of the G20 is incredibly asinine. It's stupid. It's beyond stupid. But it's Joe Biden. This is what happens when President Senile starts to spitball. This is what happens when he goes off the teleprompter. You can tell he goes off. He speaks with a little bit more somebody's home. Is that a way to put it? He speaks with a little bit more somebody's home when he's off teleprompter. But when he's on teleprompter, he is. he talks like this. And now you just imagine that I am squinting and reading directly every word I possibly can. That's how he talks when he's on a teleprompter, by and large. When he's off script, he's more there, but he says dumber things. He says plenty of dumb things when he's reading them off the teleprompter. But when he's off teleprompter, he says dumb things. Like in this cut, when he was sitting there talking to Charles Michel, who is the uh, newly re-elected president of the European Council. Now, uh, he ran unopposed because the European power structure is as corrupt as the United States power structure, by and large. He ran unopposed. Joe Biden, in a time when he is doing what? He is running around the world, the world. Normally, presidents wouldn't do what Joe Biden did in criticizing his political opponents on foreign soil, but times have changed and there is no outrage. You know, what, where happened to the choir, chorus of my norms? Oh my God, the norms are being so upset when Joe Biden calls or gives the uh, Nazi lie, the very fine people lie on both sides. That lie, he said it overseas in response to a question he shouldn't have answered. And there's no outrage about Joe Biden engaging in domestic politics on foreign soil, especially in the midst of a, a war that he's supposed to be taking seriously. So uh, Joe, at a time when he's accusing everybody else of fascism, everybody else is a threat to democracy, everything except his agenda is a threat to democracy, very Hitlerian in his insistence on that. He's talking to a guy and he, he's joking, mostly, but in all of his jokes, there's a hint of humor. He says, boy, he would love to run without opposition, too. You know, you shouldn't joke about this. But he does, because this is Joe Biden off teleprompter. Well, I came to congratulate a man who just got reelected without opposition. I, 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 I dream about that someday. <laughs> I dream about that someday. I want, oh, okay. Now, if Donald Trump had made that joke... If Donald Trump had made that joke, Rachel Maddow would be rolling over in her grave. Going, oh, my God, can you believe? How dare he? He's a threat to democracy. Right there, he's a threat to democracy. Blah, 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 blah. Joe Biden says it. It's a stupid joke. It's a stupid joke. And it's crickets because everybody recognizes that Joe's an idiot. Nobody thinks, nobody takes Joe seriously. That's kind of Joe's problem is people don't take him seriously. It's funny watching the media coverage of the G7 summit over there when, uh, oh, it's the family photo. Everybody gathers around Joe Biden 
Yeah, because Joe Biden doesn't know where the hell he is. They placed him in the middle there. They put him in. Watch the footage after the photograph. Watch the footage before the photograph was taken. Not just right before or not just right after, but leading up to it where Joe is kind of meandering around. And you got Justin Trudeau kind of going, hey, over this way. And hey, they're directing him around. He doesn't know where the hell he is. He doesn't know what the hell he is. But he's the president of the United States, and that's scary as hell. By the way, just a, a quick thing on this story here. I, I don't, this has been making the rounds on social media because it's, it's amusing. And why is this? Is so much of what is reported these days is fluff, and I'd be embarrassed to. But it's, what, it's the clickbait. It's a popular story. I just, I'd be embarrassed if I were a journalist, if I were ever assigned to do something like this. The headline is, How I Hacked Tinder and Dated 15 Men in 21 Days. <laughs> what? With the Tinder swindler, a blockbuster success on Netflix, many women are wary of matching with a man online. But one Australian woman says, Tinder is the perfect place to meet Mr. Right and is revealing the simple hacks she used to maximize, uh, maximize chances of success on the app. Helen Chick, it's like Chick but without the second C, who hails from Sydney, says dating is simply a numbers game and boasts that she had uh, Tinder dates with 15 different men on a recent three-week trip to New York City. Go, oh, she'll tell you her secrets. Her secrets are that she's dumb. She's covered in tattoos. She's skinny and semi-good-looking. Semi-good-looking because I think the chicks covered in tattoos are kind of ugly. But that's it. There you go. Be, uh, be attractive. And you, too, can get dates. How the hell is this news? It's not news in any way, shape, or form. The news is that there are a bunch of men who want these idiot women who are covered in arm sleeve tattoos who look like they have an IQ of about seven, and they're willing to take them out in the hopes of getting them into bed. Maybe they succeed. Who knows? But it's not... Look, it's, uh, Joe Biden has all f kinds of ways to be stupid. you got to admire that, because you sit there, and if you've got a room full of creative people and said, come up with as many ways as possible that you think a president of the United States could be stupid, you would just get... That would be a whole bunch of liberals trying to... Uh, recreate MSNBC and the Trump administration that go, oh, yeah, remember the time that he said that uh, he didn't like soldiers who died? Yeah, you know, that, that discredited story from the Atlantic? They always, they always learn about the story. They never follow up on it. Liberals are the least curious people on the face of the earth. Something that's so ridiculous on its face. Nothing ever, they never go, huh, that's interesting. Just like the Ginny Thomas story. Where they go, well, she's trying to influence what goes on. No, she's not. Read the texts that they've released. They're fairly innocuous. You can disagree with them all you want. You can dislike them all you want. But she's not saying, look, Mark, I've compiled a list of generals who will happily arrest members of Congress and uh, they will place troops throughout. The we can make sure. No, that's not at all what those messages said. It was, what's going on? Man, we need to keep fighting. Oh, don't concede. Yeah. Basically, they she reiterated Stacey Abrams' uh, strategy, electoral strategy. But somehow it's horrible because Ginny Thomas did it. Oh, my goodness. Ginny Thomas did it. Why? I don't know. Well, she's married to a Supreme Court justice. She's actually, they're mad because uh, Judge Thomas 
married a white woman, though they don't like that either. The left has always hated that. They've always resented that. It's, they're sick people. Have I mentioned they're sick people? And meanwhile, you've got Joe Biden over there uh, talking to NATO leaders and taking questions, and he took very few questions. He didn't seem to know what the hell he was doing. He should not have taken any questions. But he had the prepared list, which means that at the beginning it was prepared questions, which means that this was one of those. Joe Biden was prepared for this question. And he still said it, talked about sanctions and deterrence. This reporter didn't even really ask about, you know, you said they deterred and they don't deter. No, she points out that deterrence hasn't worked with these sanctions. So how about uh, what, what comes next? And Joe gets ticked off and goes off about it. How dare you? I never said that. Never, never, never. Nobody, everybody knows, blah, blah, blah. Listen to it. Sir, deterrence didn't work. What makes you think Vladimir Putin will alter course based on the action you've taken today? Let's get something straight. You remember, if you covered me from the very beginning, I did not say that, in fact, the sanctions would deter him. Sanctions never deter. You keep talking about that. Sanctions never deter. They never deter. She didn't, she didn't actually mention sanctions. She just mentioned deterrence. But his mind... Went right to sanctions. Sanctions never, sanctions never ever deter. Where do you get this crazy idea that sanctions were supposed to deter? I don't know where you come up with these things, but sanctions were never. Okay, well, I have an idea. Grabian Media had cut together a nice little montage of now every single person you're about to hear is an employee of the Biden administration. They all work for him. You've got his national security advisor. You've got his press secretary. You've got uh, his secretary of state. You've got his vice president. You've got people who work for the president of the United States who, when they open their mouths, there's never a secretary of state except for maybe Alexander Haig when Reagan was shot. But there's no secretary of state, realistically, who goes, you know what? I don't care what the president wants on this foreign policy issue. I'm going in my own direction. We're siding with Putin. On Blinken isn't going to wake up. Blinken couldn't wake up and go, I'm going to side with Putin on this one. And the hell with Zelensky. Let's go get that SOB. I mean, Blinken could, but he'd immediately be fired, theoretically, if Joe knew what was going on. And his his orders would be countermanded. If if you got an order at the State Department from the Secretary of State and an order from the President, the order from the President would most likely be adhered to. Unless, of course, you're a Republican and you're a mid-level bureaucrat, a careerist, and then you just ignore orders from Republicans and uh, lie to them. And you're, you're not, under no risk of losing your job. But anyway, everybody you're about to hear works for the President of the United States talking about sanctions... Have you just heard the president? Never going to deter. Weren't supposed to deter. It wasn't the point. These people say otherwise. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. The purpose of the sanctions in the first instance is to try to deter Russia from going to war. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. They're meant to prevent and deter a large-scale invasion. We want them to have a deterrent effect. The sanctions are designed in the first instance to try to deter Russia from taking further aggression. As well as our efforts to uh, both try to deter Russia uh, through sanctions. If you pull the trigger on that deterrent, well, then it doesn't exist anymore as a deterrent. Yeah, deter, deter, deter. It's not some sort of weird speech impediment in a repeat of Fantasy Island. 
Deter, deter. These are your people, Joe. Maybe you should talk to your people if you don't think that's... Uh, maybe you should have probably told them to stop saying this lie if it is in fact a lie, but we know it's not a lie. We know that Joe is just simply trying to rewrite history because he failed miserably, as usual. All right, that's enough for today. And now comes back to the recorded stuff. So, I don't know. I got to go suffer through the Oscars, man. I don't know how your weekend's going to end, but I am hoping not that I'm hoping that nothing happens at the Oscars is worth talking about because I can fall asleep during it or something. It's just it's one of those things that isn't the job I've got. You got to watch it. You got to pay attention to what's going on. You don't want to be caught off guard by what's happening in pop culture. You don't have to like it. You don't have to study it. You don't have to pay close attention to it. But damn it, you better be aware of it because that's what's coming down the pipe in politics a lot of the time. As you know, evidenced by the fact that Hollywood is full of a bunch of really stupid people. And now, and it has been for a long time, and now look at who's in charge of Washington, D.C. You see that coming. You got to prepare for it. Anyway, so uh, let's uh, announce the big winner and uh, tell you how to enter the new contest. All right. The winner of this week's signed book, who chose Mr. John Cleese. I was surprised. I, I was really shocked that so many people went with Matt Walsh. Not more. Not more. Um, John Cleese won the quantity account. But again, for the three weeks that he's been up. But uh, it was closer than I would have thought it would be because I, you know, Monty Python, give me Monty Python. Kent Elliott, congratulations, Kent Elliott. You have won the signed copy of John Cleese's autobiography. So, anyway, you check your messages through your Patreon or what have you, or just email me your address. And I shall get this book out to you post-haste. Congratulations, Kent Elliott. Now, this week's contest is the returning champion, Matt Walsh, with the Unholy Trinity. And in 50 years, we'll all be chicks with um, is it Guinness Book of World Records holder um, Adam Carolla for most downloaded podcasts or most podcast downloads ever with like several billion. He's got a two billion or whatever. Yeah, there are people who are more downloaded now. Joe Rogan is more, but he's got like ten years on them, so it's going to be tough for them to to catch up. But anyway, he's he's funnier in my mind and much better at this than any of any of them, anybody else in the podcast game. So Adam Carolla, fifty years in fifty years, we'll all be chicks. He was off by only about yeah, forty nine years. And Matt Walsh at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. You go there, you join five bucks a month. You comment on the post that's there that says, uh, which one of these books would you like to win? You comment with which one you'd like to win. You can be creative all you want. It doesn't matter. The kids draw the names. They're cut out, printed out and made into a list, printed out, cut into it. And then the kids draw randomly. But I appreciate the creativity in some of the comments. So there you go. You get brownie points for that, if not a physical copy of a book. So congratulations to Kent Elliott. Good luck this week. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. All one word. D-E-R-E-K-H-U-N-T-E-R-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And uh, sign up, please. I appreciate it. Have a well, Monday suck, but it'll be Tuesday soon enough. So we'll get to that. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. 